0: The politicians had great vision. They executed. Wexford Science and Technology built a great building. The Cambridge Innovation Center opened a great shared office and co-working space, along with Venture Cafe, offering free programming and free co-working space for the general public. Now comes the hard part, building that community. I had the opportunity recently to go up to Boston and stop in at the Cambridge Innovation Center at 50 Milk Street, have a meeting and then go over to the Cambridge Innovation Center and the mothership over in Kendall Square. And I was impressed. I also know from being there that the hard part has just started, building this community, building the vibe, building the network. I interviewed Toonie Shartner, the executive director of the Venture Cafe before. And now this is Rebecca Weber, who's the general manager of the Cambridge Innovation Center here in Providence. One of her tasks is also building the community, and after talking to her, well, I think she's up for the task. Hello, and welcome to The Road Pod. I'm Tom Chiginski, your host, and I'm sitting here today with Rebecca Weber, who is the general manager at the CIC. Um, I'm here, as you've maybe heard before, as the technology partner in residence um, at NEMIC. I've been here since November, when we opened our office here, and I've seen great change since then. It's gone from, is anybody here to, I've got to wait for a minute for the coffee machine. So Rebecca, thank you very much for coming in to sit with me and have a chat here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. And I hope you are enjoying the podcast studio we I, have in our fourth floor. I
0: am enjoying it. And I thank you very much. As I've mentioned before, you folks were very, very cooperative when I pointed things out to change. And uh, getting p- this new piece of equipment here, which I love, and uh, we'll be able to tap into people from around the world, which I'm excited about, uh, call someone up in the UK or call someone up in Tokyo or Rotterdam or anywhere, another innovation hub, or people that I may know in the tech space and get their, get their uh, take on things, particularly with MedTech Monday, we're trying to grow this MedTech ecosystem. And as um, Zymedica, who's one of the backers of uh Nemic, um, you know they have offices all over the place, and they've got a big presence on the West Coast. And actually, the MedTech Journal is published out of Los Angeles, so I'm hoping to get some people in there for a little cross-pollination across the country, and uh, we'll see what happens. But. Long-winded answer, thank you so much for the thing.
1: That's fabulous. Our aspiration is to be a place that brings people together. So yeah. whether you're doing it virtually through technology or doing it by jostling for a space at the coffee machine, we're glad to hear that it's working.
0: <laughs> or the M&Ms I heard, guys, in graphene. I didn't know they're M&Ms. Now they know they're and M- Peanut M&Ms. M&Ms, very popular. I, 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 I know they are now. <laughs> um, can you give me an understanding of how this building came to be? What was the catalyst? Um, who funded it? Uh when was it really started? Because I don't know. And some I can go read, but I think you'd be a better job at telling
1: it. Yeah, happy to. So first, I'll start by describing CIC, the entity. Yep. CIC is an acronym that stands for the Cambridge Innovation Center. It was founded 20 years ago, as the name might suggest, in Cambridge. And now CIC is a global innovation workspace that supports innovators and entrepreneurs to help them grow and thrive worldwide. There is now 500,000 square feet of CIC workspace across three buildings in Kendall Square in Mm -hmm. Cambridge. There's an office in Boston, St. Louis, Miami, Philadelphia, and Providence is actually the seventh site globally. You mentioned Rotterdam previously and also Tokyo. We have an office in Rotterdam, as you know, and we are actually opening in the next six months in both Tokyo and Warsaw. Mm -hmm. So we are expanding by leaps and bounds as the way that people work changes, and they recognize the value of not just the fact that our team takes away the infrastructure overhead that comes with operating a workspace, but also very intentionally brings people together through design through programming, through networking, to support collaborations that help innovators and entrepreneurs grow their ideas and increase their impact. So our mission is to help entrepreneurs fix the world through innovation, and we are so grateful to have a location in Providence to support that. So how did we arrive in Providence? Well, you know that we're sitting in the Innovation and Design District or as those of us who are native Rhode Islanders refer to it as the former 195 land. (laughs) And maybe increasingly people are calling it the place over the bridge from Plant City.
0: Right, right, right. Which I think
1: is a wonderful (laughs) dose of branding from Kim Anderson. I'm very impressed and Mm -hmm. go there for lunch more than I care to admit. Mm So we are sitting on what is defined as Parcel 22, part of uh, two or four aggregate acres of parcel ready for development. That's part of the broader 195 redevelopment plan. The 195 Commission and the governor's administration has a vision for this innovation and design district to support Businesses and other enterprises as well as residential uh, builds to support a live-work environment where people are coming to do innovative and creative things that leverage Rhode Island's historic strengths and create a sustainable foundation for the economy going forward. Mm-hmm. This building is owned and was developed by Wexford Science and Technology, which is part of the Ventas Real Estate Investment Trust. Okay. Wexford Science and Technology has buildings like this across the country. They often look for markets that look something like Providence. They have to have certain component parts, whether it's an academic medical center, and we've got one of those right down the sure. street, courtesy yep. of Brown Medical School, yep. or um an entire host of recent graduates. And for example, we have some of the best uh, higher ed institutions in the world just in our backyard. We look across the river at Brown and at RISD. Johnson & Wales is in our backyard, Rhode Island College, Providence College. And I know I won't name them all, but we appreciate their contributions to our workforce here in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And we also had sizable political will in this moment, Tom. The Raimondo administration has done incredible things to generate business development, real estate development, and to lay the foundation, whether through regulation or through Workforce training mm-hmm. to make sure that Rhode Island's economy is more resilient and continues to grow for the future mm-hmm. and I feel so incredibly grateful personally as a native Rhode Islander to have found a way to work not just in that administration for economic development but also to have found a, a job that will keep me here as mm-hmm. a young professional mm-hmm. and I think my mom likes that too <laughs> so Wexford identified those characteristics of a place like Providence and decided to invest in this building which which is intended to be part of a multi-building campus to support innovation enterprises, okay. whether that's business, private workspace, or it's uh, wet labs, depending on the demand and the need as it changes. And outside of our window, um, looking northbound, actually, you probably saw that there is a subtle groundbreaking happening for the new Aloft Hotel that will be under construction in the coming months. So this has become a linchpin where we're sitting here that we see all of the institutional assets on the east side of the river. The hospitals, the working waterfront, which we'll talk about later as an important um, economic engine in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and um, the labs that are just south of us and then north and west of us, so much activity happening that this building is really representative of redefining the community and Rhode Island's economic prospects. CIC is the anchor tenant in this building at 60,000 square feet.
0: Right. You know, I I go back to I had an office um, in another space. I'm not going to speak down on any other organization, but I had an office in in a major international shared office space. And I came to Providence for a year in that office. And it was so boring. People closed their doors. People walked away. I was looking for a vibe, an environment with a lot of bandwidth for doing high tech things, and I couldn't find it. I remember coming here when this Aiden Petrie introduced me to this building and said, "You got to come up and see this." And I did. I'd seen it under construction. And I came to the first opening. And I was so excited because this to me was like okay, this is this is actually going to happen now. All right This is going to make this happen. And then the opening with the gentleman who started it, who founded Android, was the head of Google Ventures, gave such a wonderful keynote that evening, and we had six or seven hundred people in there. And you could feel that there was some juice in this economy today where you have, People from you know right out of college to people who are the physician I met today, the ex-emergency uh, f- uh, room physician who's starting an emergency healthcare app or digital health. I'm not quite sure what he's doing yet. I'm sure he's sort of sorting it out. But the fact is, he's 72, and we got 22 year olds. And you know the average the average age for a successful entrepreneur in the United States today is 45. That, that's a successful startup age. So not only everyone who's 22 does it, you can still do it at a later age, thank God. There's still hope for me <laughs> too, Tom. There's still hope. Um, but I think it's, it's exciting and I'm very excited to see the amount of people walking through here. I'm excited to see Thursday's pizza and beer um, or whatever you're serving on Thursdays to meet new people because that's how the vibe happens, right? We sort of get involved in it. We meet people, we say hello. So if you're walking around and you see I see and you see me and I haven't said hi to you yet, I've got sort of longish hair. Uh, Come and see me. Let's go back to uh, what does the CIC, you've got Venture Cafe is also involved. How does that relationship work? How do you two cross-pollinate? What do you do for programming together.
1: Here at 225 Dyer Street, we have CIC occupying two and a half floors, and we offer shared office space, and we offer a community for innovators and entrepreneurs to come in to work on their ideas and to manifest that with really great impact. And we're so excited to hear that you're feeling that energy of collaboration. Since we opened in August, we've grown tremendously, both in the, the volume of people coming through, but also the way that the companies are growing, and it's fabulous to see how we're helping to support that mm-hmm. through our programming and through our staff's uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. Venture Cafe is an incredible complement in so many ways. Venture Cafe also has a global network. We actually have the same founder. Tim Rowe founded CIC 20 years ago, really? recognizing the need for that Overhead support and the value of bringing people together who are having a common experience. And about 10 years later, he identified the need to have communal places to have important conversations around innovation, around community development, and around ideas that have impact. And once you leave an institutional environment, whether it's uh, an academic setting or even a corporate setting, it's hard to find like minded people or people with diverse ideas, maybe even more importantly, but people who share that desire to have those kinds of meaningful conversations. And Venture Cafe is the place where you have those interactions. Mm -hmm. Every Thursday globally, because Venture Cafe is also a global presence, there are exciting and inviting ways to get together to hear Uh, innovative conversations, there are workshops, there are educational settings, there's opportunities for networking, and that happens in our building at 225 Dyer Street every Thursday immediately after our beer and Mm -hmm. local snacks. Uh, And that's a great way for us to usher our clientele into that space to engage and to be part of those conversations too because you asked how do these two forces work together? Well, Venture Cafe is the place where people are very intentionally coming together to have those exchanges of ideas. Ideas and that is a powerful force in driving connections and in driving connections that lead to ideas with impact. So, Venture Cafe and CIC work together beautifully in this building. They are co-located, which is so helpful. Venture Cafe, apart from Thursday nights, also offers office hours with experts to support mentorship and to drive business development. And uh, Venture Cafe also hosts. office space that you can rent on an hourly basis. Mm -hmm. So if you're a company who does not have a presence at CIC but wants to have a creative and exciting place for an off-site meeting, you are welcome to rent space through Venture Cafe in that front-facing portion of the building called District Hall. And that is actually free and open to the public, Tom. So you can come through uh, District Hall. You can grab a coffee from our partners at Bolt. You can sit down and take an informal meeting. You can get some work done. You can just experience the camaraderie of People who are sharing a common energy and hoping to drive their own ideas with impact.
0: So, this is to me, this is sort of a cultural change. I've been interviewing several people, um, some I've agreed with the way they perceive the quietness of Providence and um, it's as an advantage. And I don't think that's an advantage at all. I think it has to be a vibe and it has to be a high energy environment where people are engaging and people are throwing throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, that's that's a simple fact of life. I've done I've thrown enough at the wall to know that some things don't stick and you move on. Um, but this is a cultural change for this area. You and your background, as I looked at your LinkedIn profile, you went to London School of... You are born in Rhode Island. Yes. And you went to LSE, London School of... For Economics, graduate school, yes. Um, that to me being... The, I've been to London several dozen times on business. That is a melting pot. And what we're creating here is another... Melting pot smaller, but a certain melting pot of ideas and generations and cultures. Did you tell me about your experience at the London School of Economics and what that maybe changed your perspective moving out of Rhode Island going to LSE and coming back here? What'd you learn and what you're going to bring to the table that you may have learned there?
1: Thank you for validating it as a learning experience beyond just the books, Tom, because I think for those of us who are native Rhode Islanders, sometimes we can be a little provincial in our purview because we come from a small place and a place with so much depth and character that you often don't feel like you do need to lift your head up and look around. But you know what? Rhode Island's geography, our disposition is already very eastward facing. We've got that ocean and we love that ocean and we are also... Historically, a global trading center. Mm-hmm. So going to a place like London and seeing the historic legacy that is a river that leads to an ocean that has made that a destination for empire building for hundreds of years was pretty heady. And it was also so much more diverse, so much more dense, and so much more unencumbered by we can't do this or hindrances that might be self-imposed, mm-hmm. that it was very empowering and very liberating. It was not my first time living abroad and it was not my first time leaving Rhode Island, but <laughs> it was, which is a hard, yeah. It's hard not to leave the, the boundaries, but to live. Um, but it was incredibly meaningfully, meaningful for me to have that indulgent academic experience where you're studying with people and under the guidance of professors who are defining what it means To study trends and to identify trends in the economy and more broadly uh, worldwide and on the heels of the recession. It was incredibly important for me to understand the global magnitude of things that are happening even on a small scale in Rhode Island and to recognize that we have a lot of the characteristics and historic assets that can make us successful. My dad ran a costume jewelry company for almost 35 years. Mm -hmm. In the jewelry district, when I look south down uh, down Dyer Street and down Richmond Street – I see the place where my grandfather started his career, and I see All where my dad had show after show for the, the international jewelry show mm-hmm. when we were the capital internationally of costume jewelry in worldwide. Mm-hmm. So when I think about in orders of magnitude, Rhode Island punching above its weight, the things that London is doing right, well, it's a destination for free-flowing capital, and we will never be that destination but we are close enough to New York and close enough to Boston to take advantage of it. Sure. Partners, there, leveraging. Absolutely. And recognizing the complementary nature of mm-hmm. our lower cost of living and our lower cost of goods and services. That becomes very appealing when you get comfortable drawing that broader circumference around a commuting uh, – defined commuting area. Yep. yep, So you think about the, the free-flowing capital. We have access to that both north and south. You think about the density of talent coming to a place like London – Maybe Providence isn't everybody's first choice worldwide, but wow, we have some of the world's best institutions that certainly does draw more than its fair share of really talented individuals. London's lifestyle makes it very compelling to stay, albeit largely too expensive for a lot of us just out of graduate school. Providence has an advantage there. There's a real cost of living arbitrage that even my friends in Boston acknowledge.
0: Well, you know, there's a work-life balance, right? You said it. And having lived in New York City in Dumbo, when Dumbo was a slum um, and seeing it rise up and then living in Boston for so many years and owning a company up there to me right now, going back to a city environment like that would be exciting for a few days, but it would be very stressful after time because I've spent too many hours in traffic. And one of the things I do enjoy about living here is the fact that right now I'm in Providence this morning. I took the the train up from Wickford. I live in Jamestown in the summertime. I'm looking forward to being, being able to go home in 35, 45 minutes and have a swim. You can't do that in New York City. You can't get to Rockaway, and you can't get to Marblehead that fast. That's right. So I I I encourage anyone who's listening to this outside, who's thinking about it, we've got a great work-life balance here. Absolutely. Someone in high tech. I I dig that. Mm
1: How— London is a megacity and the challenges that they're grappling with, Tom, I think are very instructive for us. So when we think about the ways that, for example, they're informing behaviors around commuting patterns by installing congestion charging, for example, we think about the way that Rhode Island could motivate certain behaviors to support improved public transit or to even showcase the ways that we have advantages around clean or blue tech because of our ocean-leaning distribution disposition and because of the preponderance of alternative energy technology that's taking root here. We can equally be a showcase for the world because of our small size and the density of our resources and how consolidated our networks are. And especially under the Raimondo administration, I think it's clear that we have the political will and the appetite to do really innovative and exciting things that require – significant policy changes that lay the foundation for better growth in the long term. So we might not be a mega city, but we have the opportunity to leverage our assets in a way that can make us a showcase for the world, too.
0: Well, you went back into the political will, and we've had, you know, anyone who's uh, had to have their head under a rock to understand that there was issues politically around here. And we've gotten over those, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, people can have the will, but not the vision. It's, you've got to have the vision first, and then you muster the will if you don't have the vision. And I think that um, looking at it from a technology standpoint, looking at it from um, a person who's lived in multiple metropolitan areas, I'm excited to see what's going on. I'm happy someone had the vision. And I'm even more, you talked about the will, the ability to execute on that vision is so important today because many people can have it, particularly. Politicians speak about it all the time, but most people don't look beyond the current chatter and go, how can I get, okay, I I get you, I'll deal with that, We'll, we'll get there. But we've got to get there because if I don't have this vision, your children and your grandchildren won't have the opportunities of the future. And I think that's the stake in the, you know, the stake in the sand here, and I'm very excited about it. I do think, though, we have, and I've heard a couple of different people about a cultural shift, and I've heard people saying, oh, that won't work here, or that's too expensive, or there's no way that's going to happen. We'll buy, a a real estate friend of mine said, "Ah, we'll buy the building at a discount. You know, that type of stuff, that type of stuff is so negative. We have to move forward. You You can't go backwards. You have to go forward. If someone were to ever be able to buy this building or some other real estate asset at a great discount, it would mean that the vision has failed. Right. And that wouldn't be good for the for your grandchildren, for your people down the road. I think one of the things that has to happen, and I've talked to several people and you can bring this, but getting these people out of silos, getting these people into this place or somewhere else, whether it's over at um, Social Enterprise Greenhouse or the tech, uh, tech, collective. tech Collective, you know, getting all these groups together in a room and cross-pollinating is what's going to make this happen because I can tell you from a standpoint of someone who's got friends in Boston right now, they're sort of up to their eyeballs and aggravation, and this this has an opportunity.
1: Yeah, and we hope to be the default destination for that caliber of conversation, Tom, and to be the ones who bring the, – we're the conveners uh, who can bring those sort of conversations to bear.
0: Um, one of the things I did read in the Boston Globe, I interviewed Ed, Ed Fitzpatrick last week, which was a great interview, and I'm very excited about what the Globe is doing in their digital their, – their, their roadmap. Um, they're taking a real stab at being a digital – platform down here. And I think that's great. The article I read is about Kendall Square and the culture and, you know, how people meet having lunch, having one of the meetings that we may have here, beer and pizza. A VC, an entrepreneur, a business development executive all get together and all of a sudden, two weeks later, there's some semblance of a term sheet or a deal or someone's making things happen. What steps do you see have to happen till we get to the point where it's that level of juice is flowing through the system because right now it's starting to, and I realize that, but we need VCs. We need more angel groups who write bigger checks to keep people going because one of the hardest thing is fundraising. So after you get that little $300,000 investment, the first thing you do when you get cash that check is go look for another one. So, you know, how do we move? How do we get this juice going? I know this is a long-winded question, but I'm excited. But there's some other issues to executing on the vision and overcoming that negative sort of perception that this won't work here.
1: You know what, Tom? I think CIC electing to locate in Providence is a huge signal that we are moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I might be accused of having an unassailable confidence in Providence and Rhode Island more broadly, and that might be true. That might be as endemic to me as some of the cynicism is with some of my other fellow citizens. But I think that you referenced Kendall Square, and if you track the arc of progress and that trajectory in Kendall Square, CIC has grown with Kendall Square. Maybe Kendall has a little bit grown because of CIC where that was the first location 20 years ago because we are that place where entrepreneurs can not worry about the headaches of setting up their office. Instead, they can open up their laptops and be successful Mm -hmm. and they can meet other like-minded innovators who are hoping to help contribute to their ideas or expand their networks or leverage funding opportunities. So I think that CIC is a big part of that equation. CIC is also a driver in the sense that it is a reason that exciting young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs of all different ages and levels of business maturity can locate their companies here. That will drive a demand for capital, and that drive of demand for capital will hopefully elicit a supply of capital, and while it may not be a groundswell of local capital, again, we talk about that circumference of commuting distances, Right. it is very convenient for a Boston-based VC to come down to Providence or for companies to go up to Boston. Because uh, when I get off the train in South Station, sometimes it takes me longer to get to the CIC office in Kendall than it did for me to get to Boston in the first place. Right,
0: going through the red line. Exactly right. Exactly right,
1: Tom. So to your point about quality of life, well, that extends to the fact that it is very easy to circulate between the Providence ecosystem and the Boston or Cambridge ecosystem. With that increased supply of VCs, the local players, if they choose to continue to participate, will have to inherently elevate their ability to compete. And as we continue to see that positive flywheel of activity demanding VC money, demanding an increase in the supply of money coming to Rhode Island, then hopefully we will see that groundswell, not just from partners in a commuting radius, but also from local entities who have an increased sense of confidence because they're starting to compete, not just on a regional level, but let's be real. A global level, Mm -hmm. some of the best tech firms and best VC, um, those with the, the sharpest purview on what's next, they're in the Boston Cambridge market. Mm-hmm. So if Rhode Island-based companies want to benefit from that caliber of funding in advisory capacity, then they will seek those expert services elsewhere and hopefully make the case to remain in Rhode Island because that $300,000 investment, it goes a lot further here than it does in Boston.
0: Yeah, that could, it certainly does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no matter how many MBTA tickets you're buying. No matter how many
0: MBTA tickets you're buying. Exactly. I mean, I I, I, just from a real estate standpoint, a friend of mine's a realtor. This is a quick aside. friend's friend of mine a realtor, and she said that there is a um, – you sell like a, a one-bedroom in Cambridge for $650,000 and then turn around and come down here and buy yourself a home in the Armory District, and you have a rental income also. That's and right. And you've f- spent $450,000 you're having a much better life. Sure. Um, but I'm not here to promote the real estate business. <laughs> but uh, just to
1: promote Rhode Island. Just
0: to promote Rhode got Island. got it. Me too. what we're doing. <laughs> I, I like the juice. I like, I, I, like, I like energy. You know, I'm a shiny object person, much to my detriment at point. Oh, it's a new technology. Everyone will adopt it. How could they not see my vision? Well, I, I like when things are changing. I like when things are changing. Historically, we've been, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I read a lot of history. And uh, Newport, was the central port of the United States before Boston was. Um, New Amsterdam, New York City was there also, but in the Northeast, it was Newport. It wasn't Boston. We have a historical precedent for being a leader, and I think that got lost at certain points. Um, we're back there. Uh, we're certainly leading locally in terms of you know, the South Coast. Give us an understanding of your, as a native Rhode Islander, your perspective on that historical perspective and how we can leverage that going into the future.
1: Thanks, Tom. It's always fun to look back to reflect on how we can improve things for the future. It was also interesting with respect to CIC coming to this market and thinking about things that have worked at CIC and how we might contour it to this place with a very specific Rhode Island accent. So, for example, um, we are down the street from so many wonderful institutions and entities like Social Enterprise Greenhouse, which have been doing incredible work in the social impact space, bringing innovators and entrepreneurs together under the domain of companies that are doing well while they're doing good. And we want to find ways to work with those existing partners to amplify their efforts and their impact, and we continue those conversations. So we still want to work within this ecosystem. Then we think about the industry trends that we're seeing and the successes that we're seeing, for example, from our partners at Hope in Maine. We're working to find ways to bring more hope and main products into our space, Mm -hmm. whether as vendors for events or our novelty snacks in our three fully stocked kitchens. Mm -hmm. We want to support the work that's happening in the commissary kitchens across Rhode Island because we are a culinary capital. And while we're not offering kitchen space, we certainly want to support our local success stories and promote innovators on their path. So food has been a historic strength for Rhode Island, and we hope will continue to lead us into the future. You mentioned our ocean-going purview. Yeah, Rhode Island. Um, Rhode Island is home to the first offshore wind demonstration project in the country, five courtesy wonderful, of yep, Deepwater platforms. Absolutely, and now Orsted. Orsted. So when we look south here, and I'm leaning out the window and, and looking down the street, Tom, we see the working waterfront. Yep, and we see those turbines by the port of Providence. Yes, and it makes you wonder what's next. Well, we have more than half a dozen companies operating within the continuum of the offshore wind industry, mm-hmm. whether they're site engineers or they're actually the companies that maintain and service those giant blades on the turbines. Mm-hmm. And those companies are locating here because our flexible terms allow them to uh, center in Providence and then grow as federal regulatory approvals come through, or as projects expand, as that opportunity arises, they can grow their presence at CIC Providence. It is convenient. Uh, to locate here, it is wonderful to have a soft landing, especially as your first domestic North American presence for some of these companies. And you have access to, again, a coalition of like-minded industry players who are pushing to drive innovation. In fact, Orsted, a global leader in the offshore wind industry, chose CIC Providence as the location for their global innovation hub there on our third floor. Right. So that's another way that we're trying to support legacy industries. I'll give you one more, or legacy strengths that are supporting future growth industries. One more example we are hosting the Design Catalyst Program here at CIC Providence this year. That is a program run by Design by Rhode Island, the City of Providence, and the State's Department of Labor and Training designed to support and drive uh, acceleration in early stage design companies. Rhode Island School of Design has got to be the competitive advantage in our location here in Providence. We have so many wonderfully illustrious academic institutions, but no other CIC location is proximate to one of the top design schools in the country. Mm -hmm. And design should be foundational to all of this business growth and development that we're seeing. We can't perceive it as the UX, UI interface, interactive sheen at the end of product development, it actually should be ingrained in the way that innovators and business entrepreneurs are thinking about starting and growing their businesses. To that end, we hope that this introduction of designers into our space will inform the way that our innovators and entrepreneurs are thinking about how they do business. So those interactions with designers will hopefully be really pervasive and really meaningful for them. So some combination of food, blue tech, design, and more, all of that is percolating from within very organically. And our team is working to support those initi- initiatives by linking those growing companies with a broader CIC network and with a hyper focus on our local assets here. I
0: think one of the things about interesting about Orsted coming here, we got our five turbines. I've been up through Holland and to Denmark and the amount of wind turbines, even in Austria, I flew into Vienna, there's wind turbines and farms. We have an issue with fossil fuels in this country. We burn a lot of it. We drive. We don't have great public transportation. So having this here and having Rhode Island host those five turbines put a real stake in the ground that we are innovative and not afraid to take a risk. And I think what you saw what happened with Cape Wind, I forget, I forget how long ago that was, but you know, it got pushed off, pushed off. Maybe it wasn't the best location. I'm not sure it was, but certainly off Block Island. I can see them from Jamestown. It is. And having a Danish company here, a a, a country of Denmark, which has an economy that is outstanding by per capita by any terms, um, a culture and a, a level of happiness within the population that is wonderful because I've been to Copenhagen several times and I have a lot of friends there but knowing having done business in Denmark two or three times and been to Denmark you know i'm hoping sort of there's a little bit of danish culture rubs off because they are innovators they take their work very seriously they're not a sort of a bs sort of chat 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 thing they basically get down to business in real time get it done and then they have a great work life balance so i'm hoping that i'm hoping that in addition to the Innovation Center for Renewable Energy, they also bring a little bit of Danish culture here. Thank you very, very much for 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 uh, spending the time with us. And from time to time, maybe not for a whole episode, but I'm interested to have updates um, as we go along. Whether it's a new tenant, we want to ring the bell. Uh, whether it's something that that happens, but we are looking for exciting things. And if anyone would like to come down, take a peek. I know you have, uh, I know this, it won't be, this podcast won't be out by the time, but you do have open. Oh, nights like this Thursday?
1: Every Thursday, uh, Venture Cafe Programming is free and open to the public. We're excited to welcome people into those conversations. And if you're interested in office space, we would love for you to come and schedule a tour with us. You can schedule a tour on our website, or you can drop in at 225 Dyer Street, because we actually have options to support innovators and entrepreneurs of all sizes, at all stages, starting with our co-working desks.
0: And I just want to reiterate that that card also, you can go up to the co-working space in Boston, Kendall Square, if you wanted to, and tap into that ecosystem on an intermittent basis if you want. It also works there. Great. Thank you very much, Rebecca.
1: Thank you so much, Tom. It was a pleasure. See you for peanut (laughs) M&Ms.
0: Printed publications issue retractions. Well, I guess podcast issue apologies. And I'd like to apologize to Ed Fitzpatrick of the Boston Globe. I named him Ed Fitzgerald a number of times, including at the beginning of his podcast. And I couldn't change it because, well, I dumped the files. I got rid of the files. I've learned two things. One, make sure you don't misname someone. And two, don't dump the files for three or four months. But because I'm a native Massachusetts person, the Kennedys, Ed Fitzgerald Kennedy, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the Fitzgeralds were always in my mind. Sorry, Ed, my apologies. Anyway, thanks for listening to The Road Pod with all its mistakes. I thank you very much, and I look forward to hearing from you at Tom at The Road Pod. Keep the comments coming. Thank you.